This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Vic Manzo, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. As each week, every Friday, we release an awesome interview that we had with someone to come share space with us here at The Mindful Experiment tribe, community, and so forth to help level us up in some way, of sub-element of our life to experience more and rediscover more and enjoy more of this beautiful thing called life, this beautiful mindful experiment. This week, I had an awesome time interviewing Kent Ritter. Um, We had a blast. We talked a lot about investing. Um, We talked a lot about the things that he does, what he learned, his journey to what he does now, and what are things people can do uh, to learn different ways and how to invest in real estate in the the purpose of and the the you know the benefits of buying different types and what he does with his groups and so much more. What's a type A investor and all these different things. So we we dove deep into a lot of these elements and I I learned a lot. Um, financial investing and real estate's always been uh, a passion of mine and it's uh, I actually just started my career or. Uh, started getting deeper into that. I had my first flip this year, uh, and it went really, really well. Um, and I think we talked we talked a little bit about that as we get into flipping versus what he does versus different aspects and much more. But if you don't know who Kent is, Kent is on a mission to create modern, affordable housing for America's workforce while empowering others to take control of their financial future through real estate investing. 
Since 2019, Kent led the acquisition of 440 units and deployed over $6 million of investor capital into cash-flowing real estate through his firm, Hudson Invest- Investing. Uh, Kent serves as a real estate thought leader and educator through his podcast, Ritter on Real Estate, his networking event, Indianapolis Multifamily Investing Meetup, and his website, kentritter.com. This was a great episode. Uh, highly recommend it. Especially, even if you're not into investing real estate, this is something just to know to have on your radar because it will change down the road. I know for me, I've always had a liking to this uh, and I never really made that effort to get into this as deep. And then eventually uh, it just opportunities started to come. And I'm like, you know what? This is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and then the time came and it's all about timing, right? And so it happened. So without any further ado, excited to share with you guys. Here is my interview with Kent Ritter. Kent, welcome to the show. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate you having me. I'm excited to have you on. Real estate's been something that uh, I've been passionate about learning more about and I've been doing the last few years. And uh, I saw you come across. I'm like, oh, this is a different way of having a conversation (laughs) on this. And I feel this can definitely work on the podcast. Haven't anyone ever talked about it in the way that you do things. So um, good. Excited to pick your brain for the listeners and myself and um, dive deep. But before we get into all that good stuff, as always, interview people always know when I'm interviewing someone, um, what's your story? How did you get into what you're doing? Can you give us a little bit of a background to leading up to what you're doing today? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So so my story starts um, kind of back in. 2007, I, you know, I graduated college. I, I kind of went the normal path, right? Get, get the W2 job, went, went actually into management consulting. And so I spent 12 years as a management consultant. Um, and what you do when you're a management consultant really is, you know, I flew around the country helping like big companies solve big problems. That, that's really what they do. They don't hire you when things are going well. They hire when something's going wrong and you got to fix it. So, you know, in that, I got really good at, just managing large projects, multi-million dollar projects, you know, s- setting up benchmarks and and getting everybody to move in the right direction to to achieve our goals. Basically, that was the whole, that was the whole point of it. And about about seven years into that career, uh, a few of my my colleagues and I actually left to start our own business because we just you know we saw a shift in the market and we felt like uh, felt like that was going to be the right way to go and and, and luckily we were right we kind of caught things at the right time and from 2010 to 2015 uh, we ran our, our boutique management consulting firm out of Chicago we grew it to 95 employees and, and about 30 million in annual revenue and then and then in 2015 uh, we decided to to sell it we got a great offer uh, an offer they say like you, you couldn't refuse right and so we decided to uh, that that was the right time to exit, and so that really then started my real estate journey because I had this capital from selling the business, and I didn't know what to do with it. Honestly, you know, I knew I didn't want to have all my money in the stock market because, you know, it's never good to have all your eggs in one basket, right? And but I didn't know where else to put it, so I started researching. You know, I started looking at alternative investments, looked at a few different things. Real estate really checked all the boxes for me. You know, it cash flows, there's good appreciation, there's tax savings, there's all these things that were really appealing to me. Um, and so I started really just digging into real estate, started listening to every podcast I could, reading every book, went through uh, several training programs, hired a couple mentors, um, and, and started investing myself. And so in 2000, it was like 2015 into 2016, I invested in 
passively. So investing with others, um, you know, to, to just understand how all this works. Right. And, and really for me, as I kept doing research, really where I landed was, was multifamily real estate or, or apartments were the place that I wanted to be versus, you know, retail or offices or somewhere else. Right. There's a lot, a lot of things I liked about that. And then I had a mentor, you know, give me some great advice, which was like all I knew about real estate investing, all I had ever experienced was when, if you invest in real estate, it means, you know, you buy like a single family home and you become a landlord, right? And you deal and you deal with all those issues. That was all I'd ever experienced. Had a mentor come along at like a pivotal point in my life, say, no, skip all the single family stuff. You want to go into apartments. There's scale there. You know, you don't have to buy a hundred houses. You can buy a hundred units all under one roof, right? And everything's there. There's so many efficiencies and economies of scale. And then even better advice was, you know, don't go out and buy that building just by yourself. Because if you do that, you're just going to have all your eggs in one basket again. You're going to have all your money tied up in this building. And what do you do from there? So they introduced me then to the syndication model, which, which really syndication, very simply put, is all of us pooling our money together to go buy a bigger, better asset than anybody could on their own. And that's essentially what it is. And so when I heard that, man, the light bulbs just went off. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. Didn't know you could do that. Thought I was a pretty savvy investor, but I'd never heard of this. And so, so it was something that I knew, you know, I thought was going to be the best way to generate wealth going forward for my family. Um, but I knew that there was a lot I didn't know, right? And there was probably a whole lot I didn't even know I didn't know. So I started investing with other people first to try to invest with some experts, get behind the curtain, understand how all this works, right? And then I did that from 2016, really to the end of 2019. In 2019, uh, after the education of building my confidence, I went out and, and acquired my first property with, with some partners. It was 250 units down in Atlanta. So kind of, you know, starting off with a bang, right? And, um, and actually we just hit it. We hit a fantastic milestone because we just sold that property and, you know, we're in middle of June now is last week. So it was the first property to come around and kind of full cycle and, and see the realization of all of our work. And then in 2020, just continued that process, brought three more properties, um, working on buying a couple of properties right now at the moment. And we're just, we're just rinsing, repeating the strategy that works for us, which is, working with investors to partner on deals, bringing them into the deal, buying these nice assets. Then what we do is, is pretty much like what you see on HGTV, just with like a hundred units at a time, you know? So it's fixing them up, it's making them nicer, um, you know, making it clean and safe for folks. And then we'll run those for a while, we'll cash flow those properties, typically three to five years, and then we sell them and we return, you know, the profits to the investors. And that's, that's really the model that, that I've developed. And that's kind of the, the career shift that, that I went through. Love that. I think that's, uh, that's kind of cool. So you're, you're, you're flipping then in, in a way grander scale than just one at a time. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's a component of each investment that, that's also that cash flow component. So, you know, we'll implement that business plan. We'll, we'll, we'll flip or, you know, improve those apartments, renovate them in the first year, year and a half. And then from there, we're, we're cash flowing for a while, right? We're giving those returns back to the investors through distributions. Um, and then, you know, at the right time, we, we time it with the right time in the market, you know, we're able to exit and sell, sell and return everybody's money. So, 
Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, for me, it's been a life-changing experience. It's been, it allowed me to leave. Uh, so after selling the business to the company, I mean, you don't just get to like walk away. You have to go and like work for that company for a while. It's part of the deal. They don't, they don't want you just to leave. So, you know, I, I was working for that company for a while through, through that period. Um, but really real estate was what allowed me to, to leave that W-2 by replacing all that future income through real estate and then being able to just kind of set myself free to, to pursue my own journey again and, uh, and go down this path of building out a business now. I love that. And I know you brought it up too. Like when you own, like the, the mindset is when you have one house, it's, you're like a landlord and stuff like that. When you have multitude of apartments, is that something where, um, is it, you have someone assigned to be like the landlord in a sense. I know sometimes there's like property management companies. Yeah, and things like exactly. That. Yeah. So we, we partner with professional property management companies. I mean, pro- property management is the number one thing that, that will make or break your deal. Those are the people that are interacting with your residents on a daily basis. Right. So it's important that you, you find the experts. Right. And I, I very much believe in like, like specificity of labor, meaning like, like, like find the one thing you're good at and stick with that. Right. And so, you know, property management, not my thing. Other people love it. So I find, I find the experts that are passionate about it and partner with them. And cause I'm passionate about finding the deals, right. And having that vision and being able to see this, like, you know, this property, it's, it's not very sexy, right. I mean, it looks bad, but be able to see what that could become, right. And, and be able to, to drive that change. But yeah, we partner with great property managers to help, uh, help us implement that and uh, to, to run the day-to-day operations. I love that. One of the things I got into this year when, when the middle of COVID was, is we started to get our first house to flip. And it was one of those things I like to build for fun. Uh, we're working as like a little side thing that I enjoy. And so all of a sudden uh, my wife and I were talking, it was just the perfect moment. The, like the market's just prime and we were getting at a really good price. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm like, let's, let me put my, let me put my arts for the last four or five years to work. So I'll make it a little passion project. We'll put it on the side. And uh, it's been kind of cool to see that transformation since I've been part of it from day one, uh, a house that was just not great. And yeah. uh, now I look back and I'm like, man, that, that was a turnaround. I go, I learned a lot in my, because yeah, again, I'm learning, right? So there's mistakes. I'm like, oh, I should have did yeah. that, or this would have been easier, or that could have did this. But then I'm like, cool. I got some tools in my belt now that I didn't have before that I learned from. And it's like, it becomes a little bit of a fun little thing to do. Um, Absolutely. And you, you improve the neighborhood, right? You, you brought that property back to life. You improve the neighborhood. I mean, it's something tangible. You can, you can see the value that, that you've added. I love that part of real estate. I think that's real great too. Cause like the neighbor who lives near there lives next door, her actually dad is the one who built the house. Um, and she was like, when I first, when we first came down, it's in Tennessee. So I'm in Chicago and, gotcha. and it was one of the things where she was like, well, you better do this house. Right. And I was like, yes, ma'am. I go, you don't, you have no worries. I'll walk you through. You'll be very impressed when it's done. And, uh, we did that about a month ago and she looked and she's just like, I can't believe it. Like, holy cow. And I was like, and she was complaining about like some of the windows we redid. I had, there was one big window and I added two more in and she's like, what do you need all that light for? Cause she's like, I didn't understand why you did that. I said, come on in look. And she goes, I go, you see that mountain view? She goes, 
Oh my goodness. I said, that's exactly why I did that. So <laughs> that's awesome. I digress, but it's fun. Right. So what are some it of the is. things like, because like for me, I, one of the things down the road I do want to have is like apartment buildings. That's something I'm looking to have to do. Yeah. And it's more for, you know, I guess you could do it for different reasons, right? Like my wife and I talk about flipping homes short term because I don't plan it. You know, again, you got to play the markets. And mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things where I tell her, it's like, it's kind of like short. It's like, day trading or, you know, short term yeah. trades in the stock market yeah. where you're getting these gains, but then you have your long terms. Right. Yep. And I see apartment buildings in my world more as like uh, having them to where they cover me. That's my retirement. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. Once they're paid off, that's my income. And then that's yeah. just, I don't have to worry about trying to make sure the stock market works to a certain degree and, or these certain things, which I do nothing wrong with those investments. I do use those too. But it's one of those things. But what are some of the um, the mindset when it comes to these kind of things with with uh, maybe apartment buildings, investing in real estate, things along that, like maybe like limited belief systems or stuff like yeah. along those lines? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just, just to like hit on hit on a couple of things. So the it's so like flipping houses is, is a great strategy. It's just, as you've learned, I'm sure it is a very active strategy, right? You, it's a, it's a lot of work. I, I flipped houses. It's not easy. Um, and, and it's also an ordinary income strategy, right? Like it's, or, that's ordinary income. That's not capital gains typically. And so, um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that you've got to enjoy. Like, like, it sounds like you do, you know, you got to want to get your hands dirty a little bit. Um, the, when I, when I think about apartments, so for me, it's very active, but for my investors, it's a totally passive investment. So it's something where we've been able to turn this into for them, they're investing their money and then they sit back and, and they receive their, their checks on a regular basis. And so it's, it, it's just kind of from a mindset standpoint, I think that's where it starts is like, so I guess I believe everybody should be invested in real estate to, to to some extent. I mean, it's just a good diversification strategy. I mean, if you look at the richest people in the world, they own on average like like twenty to forty percent of their portfolio is in real estate. So then I, I just I ask people, I say, well, if it works for the richest people in the world, like like what's your allocation in real estate? And a lot of people, it's zero. I said, well, at least get at least follow. I mean, follow the path, right? Success leaves clues. Tony Robbins and, and others say like. So, so find that diversification point that makes sense for you. And then it's like, do you want to be active or do you want to be passive in it? And like, and like, you know, and that depends on a lot of things, but like a lot of my investors are folks that have, have jobs, you know, they're doctors, attorneys, you know, CPAs, other things, and they enjoy what they're doing. But again, they're trying to just diversify and, and create some some additional income opportunities but but they really want to approach it passively so i think from a mindset standpoint it's like which way do you want to go right do you want to do you really love it you want to be active in it or or do you want to be more passive and and just uh let somebody else do all the hard work right that's kind of the the thing at the end of the day because i think it's something that if you don't really love it uh you shouldn't get into it i mean yeah it's a great way to make money but like if you don't really love it i don't think the juice the juice is worth the squeeze and so for me i'm extremely passionate about it i've kind of fell in love with it i mean i really it, it started out as an investment and has become the this second career for me and um so i think just getting back to the mindset side of it like there's when i meet people first i start talking to them about it you know there there's not um 
there's not a lot of exposure for this type of investing. It's not something you're seeing on CNBC. You know, you're not seeing it on your commercials, your, your 401k, your financial advisor. Nobody's talking about the fact that you could actually invest in other things besides, besides the stock market, besides mutual funds, right? So the first place to, that, that, the first conversation to have with people, honestly, is just education and trying to help them get over, like you said, some of their limiting beliefs about investing in real estate because like everybody knows that uncle that had that bad experience with that rental and like it didn't work out, right? He's a landlord and that didn't work. And so, you know, just showing people that there's another path, getting people past that like perceived risk of, of just, you know, when, when it's something's new to you, you just immediately perceive it as more risky. So just trying to build people up, explain the process, show really the, the stability of it, kind of shift their mindset um, to really show that, you know, it really, it's really a pretty stable investment uh, avenue. And, and a lot of that really comes, comes back to mindset. Cause I find when I educate people in the right way, they have that light bulb moment. Like I did, where it's like, if they ex understand the process and what happens and the returns that you can get, and it's like, Oh yeah, man, this is like a no brainer. Of course we should be doing this. Why didn't I know about this sooner? And so that's a lot of what I spend my time doing is just that education. That's why I do my podcast and I do, I, I host a networking event. I do, I do other things, blogs, but just trying to educate people to try to get as many people in to this type of investment as possible. Because as I said, it's been life changing for me and it's become this goal of mine to really just kind of want to take the community along with me. It's like, look, if I built wealth, now I want everybody around me to build this wealth. And if we can do that, we're all going to be in a better place. Love that. Mad respect for you on that one. When it comes to like passive and active, is it just more of a preference? Um, do you kind because like for me, I like the active in the short term. I don't like it yeah. in the long term, right? Like right now, yeah. it's more of a, like just a passion hobby. I love to do. I'm testing my skills with woodworking. I'm trying to uh, get more skillful because I like building things for fun. And so, yeah. like at my house, I have my own uh, live edge dining room table I put together. In my office, I have my own table built to nice. built in, put it together. Like and these pieces, like when I first moved into my house people saw the, the live edge table and they're like oh wow you got some really expensive you know uh furniture here they saw the live edge table a uh, coffee table and some other stuff and they're like wow you guys really spent the money and i'm like what do you mean spent the money i go i built all these things i just put it together <laughs> and they're like wait a minute i'm like it's the fraction of a cost i mean we're talking fractions upon fractions yeah and they're like yeah. oh wow and i'm like yeah and i'm like but this, there's a lot of mistakes to it but i'm like i'm learning yeah. Um, but you know, it gets to that point. Is there, is it more just preference? Like, I know you kind of mentioned it earlier. I just wanted to ask you that question just to revisit it. Yeah. You know, I, I think people, people invest, uh, for, for a lot of different reasons, right? I think from the people that invest with me, the, the want to be more passive are folks that, you know, typically they're, you know, they, they don't like their, their current job and, and they're seeking for a path out of it. Right. So, so they want that cash flow to supplement their income. Uh, or they like their current job and, and they want like a plan B and again, to supplement income or, or they just want to, they want to, they want that appreciation. They want to kind of stack those gains and they want to be able to grow their money kind of long-term. The other reason is if people already have, if they've already had a fair level of success, then it becomes more about tax benefits and, and how you can, you know, align your real estate strategies, take that depreciation, offset capital gains and, and do some other things that can really be powerful if you have other income streams coming in. Um, and so it kind of depends, like, 
you know, if you're, if you're looking for those things, like those can all be gotten passively without having to actually get, get your hands dirty. Uh, I think if you want to be active, I think you've got to, again, like I said, you got it. You, it's got to be something you enjoy. You got to like, depending on your strategy, right? You got to like working with your hands. You got to like working with people. You got to really want to like dig in and understand it. Because to me, it's like with anything, if you're going to get involved kind of halfway, it's probably not worth it. You know, I buy apartments from a lot of people that kind of got involved halfway, you know, where they, um, you know, maybe it's, you know, they, they own a 50 unit apartment and, and they do it as kind of a side thing. And uh, it's 100% occupied, but it's like $200 below the market in rent because they haven't really managed it to, to, to maximize the profit, they've managed it to make it just easy for them because they didn't want to man it. They didn't want to have to worry about getting new residents and things. And it's like, you know, so they kind of took a, they went and bought an apartment building and they kind of took a passive strategy to it, you know? So, uh, and those are where huge opportunities exist for, for folks like me, honestly. And, and that's kind of what I look for, but you know, I think, I think it's preference. I think you also have the, have the ability to commit the time to it. And, and I really think, um, if you, depending on the scale, you want to do it, like you can absolutely do flips. You can build a 10 unit single family portfolio. You can do all that on, on your own. You know, you don't need somebody, somebody like me, but, but the problem is even in those scenarios, right? They're very active. You got to, do you want to track down renters to get the rent checks? Right. Um, cause those are things that even in a scenario where where you're hiring a property management company, if you have single family homes, like those are things you're going to have to do. So let's walk through the like when it comes to the investment side, working with you. Then how's that look? Is it like um, can you walk us through that kind of like a process? So that's okay. Like kind of like the, yeah. the the journey of that. Like is it small amount of capital, large amount of capital? Is there varying degrees? It depends on the property you're getting. How's that all look? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, the minimum investment amount is $50,000 and it, that, that's pretty standard across kind of industry. Um, and, you know, there, there's really kind of two paths. So there's, you know, there's a thing called being an accredited investor and, and an accredited investor. What that means is, is you've made, you know, $200,000 a year over the past two years. If you're an individual, $300,000 a year over the past two years. If you're, if you're, if you file your taxes jointly with your spouse, um, or you have, you have a net worth of, of over a million dollars, not including your house. So that, those are the, that's the definition of an accredited investor as the SEC defines it. And if you are an accredited investor, then that opens up a lot of different deal opportunities to you. Um, and, and you can go and, and you can really invest in, in anything and, um, it, it's just, it's kind of a different path. It opens up a lot of, a lot of opportunities. There, there's a lot of sponsors like me that do these deals that will only offer the deals to folks that are accredited investors. Um, then the, the other path is if you are, if you're not accredited, but you are sophisticated, meaning that you have a level of experience, business experience, you know, you're familiar with real estate, you've done some things before, then there's certain deals that, that you can still get in. And, and, and I do uh, those deals from time to time because um, and the biggest thing is like, we have to have a pre-existing relationship before I, I would offer you an investment. So it's really kind of a friends and family thing. Um, and, but I like to do those deals because Part of the reason that I love doing this is because just like me, there's a lot of folks that didn't know about this. And, 
you know, if you don't have a path in, like, how do you ever get started? Like, how do you, there's kind of a catch 22 of like, how do you become an accredited investor if you don't have opportunities to get those gains to get to that level? Right. So, so there, there's, there's a piece to that. So, so it, the reason I say that is because, you know, there, there's opportunities kind of no matter where you are, but just depending on where you're at on accreditation level, just opens up more opportunities to you. But for, from a process standpoint, it's it, it's really pretty easy. So so as long as as long as we've got a good relationship, or as long as you're accredited, then you know I I have people on my deal list. I, I will send out an email, basically say, hey, there's we've got a new deal under contract. Here's everything that we like about it. Here's a presentation about it. We're going to host a webinar to talk about it, and then people people are allowed to to kind of do what we call a soft reserve, or really, which is what that is, is holding your place in line. It's saying. Hey, I'm interested and I'm interested for this amount because as we're raising the money, that's what, that's what gets you kind of your seat on the bus, let's say. Right. So, so we, cause we file people in until we meet how much we're trying to raise. And then we add people to a wait list. And then through that process, we're working with our SEC attorneys to put together the right documentation to get in front of the investors um, so that they can actually invest in the deal and, and commit their money. And so there's things you'll get. There's a private placement memorandum, which is like a 50 to 70 page document that essentially lays out. It's a lot of it's like SEC boilerplate. It lays out like every risk possible in any investment. Like there could be hurricane, there could be fire. Somebody could commit fraud. You, you could lose all your money in all these ways. It's really just a big disclosure document. And then it outlines all the details of the investment from the returns that are expected, you know, property management, the operating agreements and everything you would ever need to know. So like if you're going to invest in a deal like this, you got to pay attention to that. That's kind of your Bible. And then the other document you'll get is a su subscription agreement, which is basically just saying, you know, I'm going to give X amount of money and in exchange for X amount of money, I'm going to get Y amount of shares in, in the deal. Right. And so there, there's that document. And then you, so after you sign up for those things, then we can actually accept your money. And so as we get closer to closing, cause it's about a 60 day process to acquire a property from contract to when we're going to go to close on it. And, you know, you'll send your money into an escrow account, just like if you were going to buy a single family home. Um, and then we, we close at the title company and the, and the title company distributes the funds and it, it really worked. The closing works just like if you're buying any home. Um, and so it, it's a pretty simple process. It's a process that typically takes about two months from when we, you know, first get that deal and into the, the time that we actually close. And then from there, the investment's typically like a three to five year investment based on just time, you know, when we can complete the business plan, how, how pervasive the business plan is, and then when uh, we can time the market to, to exit at the right time. So I know listeners who are listening to this and they're like, man, this sounds pretty good. What is like the then, of course, the opposite end of that investing? What's the re like average return ballpark? I know that's probably hard because every property is different in some ways, but uh, and especially market structure plays a role in that too. Uh, yeah. But what's usually like, if you can ballpark that? Yeah. And, and there's, there's like complicated metrics that we use to describe this, like internal rate of return and, and all that stuff. But like the easiest way to understand it and, and my personal goal is to double my money every five years. So if, if I can double my money every five years and double your money along with me every five years, then like, like I'm happy and, and that's where I want to be. Right. And, and that's beat, that beats the stock market any day of the week. It really beats almost about anything else. And the thing about it is like, you, you have to think about this from a risk, 
So if you do the math on that, that's like a 20% average return, right? But, but the way these deals work is you're going to get about 30 to 40% of your money back from, uh, from those, those regular cash distributions throughout the process, right? You're getting your share of the profits of the business, just like an owner. Um, and then you're going to get like 60 to 70% from the sale of, uh, at the end, right? So, so while it's like a 20% average over five years, you're getting some throughout, then you get a big chunk at the end from the appreciation on the sale, right? Because we're driving the value of the property up by increasing the income. And that's the great thing about commercial real estate versus like a residential single family home. A residential property is only as, uh, as worth as much as the property, how much the properties around it have sold it for, have sold for, right? Like it's very much market driven. A commercial property, it's valued by its income. So as we raise the income, we raise the value and that's what's called forced appreciation. We don't just have to rely on the natural appreciation in the market. We can actually force the appreciation by improving the income. And that just adds to, to the value of the property. And so, so yeah, so kind of, kind of all that being said, you know, it's, it's double your money in five years. That's the goal. Obviously can't promise that, but, but that, that's what we're trying to achieve. And, and we're trying to give you a, like a cash on cash return, meaning that money you're getting, you know, throughout the year of, you know, seven, seven or 8%. And the way that we structure the deal is with a preferred return. So what a preferred return is, that means say the preferred return 7%. That means that I don't get paid until I return 7% each year to the investors. And then above that 7%, we start to split the profits. The investors get 70% of it. I get 30% of it. And my team gets 30% of it. And that's how kind of, kind of we get paid. So it's like, we got to hit that threshold. And then above and beyond that, we start to, we start to, you know, get paid for, for running the deal. I love that. That sounds awesome. I think that's pretty great. I like that kind of concept, double your money every five years. That's a pretty good, um, goal to have, I think, especially, I don't want to say, like, if you think of it like the stock market or investing in other things like that, you say, oh, I want to double my money every five years. People are going to go, hold on here. Wait a minute. That's, that, that's a huge jump. Yeah. Uh, but it, with the way you kind of explain it and how that works, that, that, that seems yeah. pretty doable. I like that. Well, and you know, and that, that goes along great with limiting beliefs, right? It's just a lot, a lot like, honestly, a lot of people, when I tell them that they say, that's too good to be true. Like, like what's the catch, right? And, and it's just a limiting belief. It's just because you're not familiar with it, right? I mean, in, in the circle that I'm in, that's a very normal thing to occur. <laughs> and so it's just about familiarizing yourself and, and understanding uh, the, the possibilities. And, and again, I think if um, kind of as you do that and you're exposed to that more and, and actually you get in that deal and you actually see that happen, that's when the light bulb really goes off for folks. I love that. Now we talked a little bit about before, about like uh, before we even got on about perceived risk versus ignorance. And I wanted to dive down that because we're talking about numbers, returns, investing and all that. And I, I think this is a great segue into that. Yeah. Um, how, let, let's talk a little bit about perceived risk versus ignorance and so forth. Yeah. So, you know, so first of all, like, like ignorance is, isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad word. Ignorance just means you, it's something you don't know. You're, you're not familiar with it. Right. And so, you know, you think about if you're unfamiliar with something, you know, there, there's automatically a perceived risk there. I mean, your, your brain just kind of, it looks at everything 
at like a fundamental level as like friend or foe, right? And if something's unfamiliar, you automatically view that as something that could be a risk. And so like, again, it's just going back to a lot of what I try to do is just educate folks, build their familiarity. And then what I found is, you know, I don't really have to sell people. If I do that in the right way, and if I lead with education, then again, I see that light bulb go off for people, right? And they have that same kind of realization that I did, like, man, this this is something I need to be a part of. This is, this is a no brainer. Um, and, and I think that, that like one of the things that's really important to think about in it, I guess any investment, um, it, it's about not just like what's the overall return, it's risk adjusted return is extremely important. And what I mean by risk adjusted return is like the simplest level, like what's the probability that you actually get that return. Right. And so I'll give you an example. So like, you know, I, I do some investing in startups, um, you know, and, and I've got several companies I've invested in. And, and those are those are things like those are all like moonshot deals. Like you're hoping that that thing goes 10, 20, 100 X. Right. But there's a fairly significant chance like you're not going to get anything out of it. Like the company could just go go up in smoke. Right. So like while there's a really high return potential, the probability of getting that return is fairly small, really, right? You're, 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 you're taking a chance. Whereas in real estate, like what I love about these deals, and particularly in the kind of deals that I do, is we're, we're buying a cash flowing business. So I don't do a lot of distressed deals where, you know, the, the business, is, you know, the, the building can't pay for itself, right? It, it's in the red. We buy buildings that are already making money. I mean, these are businesses that have been there because an apartment building is a business that's been there for 30 or 40 years, making money, and we just help it make a little more, right? So it's something that's cash flowing right away. It's paying for itself. We're not having to supplement that. And, and because of that, it really reduces the risk. And so like what I try to tell people is like, like we're not trying to hit home runs because if you're, I mean, you know, I mean, think about the old, the old home run key, like Barry Bonds, McGuire, any of these guys, you go back to Babe Ruth, like these guys struck out way more than they hit home runs, right? What we're trying to do is we're trying to hit singles and doubles and stay on the bases and just keep going around. And every once in a while, yeah, we'll crack a home run, but it, it's all about just steady, right? Steady, steady returns. And so, you know, then those are the type of deals that, that we look for. I mean, again, like you can get higher returns of going and buying a building that's empty and filling it up with people, right? Like you can, the returns are better, but, but again, the risk level is also much higher. So what I've tried to find is that sweet spot between risk and return um, that I'm comfortable with and, and find other people are too. No, you you always have to find what, and what kind of like risky type of person are you when it comes to an investor, right? Because sometimes, yeah, you, some people like to do that whole, oh, I'm gonna get a hundred x on this, but I'm gonna risk this much, and, and the chances of it happening are that much. But you know what though? Why not? Let's have fun with yeah. it. Or sometimes I, it. Oh, go ahead. Well, and I was just gonna say, I, I think like like for anybody, like there's there's a place in your portfolio for that. You know, probably not a hundred percent of it, probably like ten percent of it. But but there's a spot for that. Like like I said, I do I do some investing in startups, and I invest in a lot of different things, primarily real estate. But you know, I think just being diversified is the best advice I can give anybody. It's like don't put all your eggs in any one basket. I couldn't agree with that more. It's usually the best piece of advice anywhere. I mean, like uh, I'm the same way. The higher risk stuff, the more things that are really out there. That's that's five ten percent maybe if that. 
Um, and you know, sometimes it's great when they're kicking butt and then you're like next decade next month, you could be like, what the hell happened to that? That was doing so right. well. How'd that drop so fast? Like cryptocurrencies, for example. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you're like, all right, well, I just got to keep staying around. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But yeah, then there's, exactly. you know, other things that are more like, you know, like real estate or something like that is also another avenue that is, you know, a different type. Well, of- it's like, you know, I had an experience when I don't remember what it was now. It was a couple of years ago. Remember like Facebook got in trouble for basically like selling people's information. And and when that happened, Facebook stock dropped like 30% in like over a weekend. Facebook. And it's like you wake up and uh, well, that's way down. It's like these buildings don't disappear. They, they don't lose 30% of their value in a weekend, right? And and if they did disappear, if they burnt down, well, we've got insurance for that. Like, you know, we're covered, like we plan for these things. So the likelihood, like when we buy these properties, we do, we do what's called a break-even analysis. And what that essentially says is like, how low could the occupancy get where we could still pay the mortgage, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what's important. If you can pay that mortgage, like you can live to fight another day. So we're buying properties that are 90 plus percent occupied. And typically the way the math works is these, and this is, this is a big benefit of multifamily over single family is like, we could drop that occupancy typically down into the seventies and still pay that mortgage. Right. And like live to fight another day. If we came into the worst recession, right. And the occupancy goes lower than it's ever been, we could still, still pay that mortgage and keep going. Whereas if you have a single family and you lose a tenant, well, who's paying that mortgage? Well, it's you. It's back on you. So there's there's just that scale gives you another element of safety. And I think that that's an important metric to, to understand if people are looking at these investments is like, what's that break even? Yeah, it's a great way to keep everything. Because sometimes when it comes to investing, I know I've fell into this trap many times where it's like, how much is the return? What can we do? Oh, man, that sounds absolutely amazing. Let's get this and that. And then it's like, hold on here. There's the other side. What is the... What is that? How low does have some have to go before we're like, okay, we're good. Uh, yeah. Before it's like, okay, now we're in the red. This doesn't look good anymore. Exactly. It's a, that downside protection, right? Is key. I love that. That that that's pretty smart there. I like the, that that aspect of it. Um, let's see. What else do I have here? Let's say you have someone, okay, who does. I know we talked a little about this before. You brought this up on what you do. Uh, someone who doesn't have. Uh, not a certified or is it a certified investor? No, it was uh, accredited. Credit. That's what it was. I knew it wasn't certified. Uh, accredited investor compared to someone who is not that. Um, but it's something I know you said you sometimes do do that also. Uh, but someone who's looking, where are some ways they can start to learn about the real estate stuff? Besides, I know you have your stuff too, uh, which yeah. we'll dive into a little bit. Um, um, resources, things that they can learn about, or how can they start that journey into yeah. looking into the whole realm of real estate investing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, the same place I started really, which was podcasts and books. I mean, that that's the place to start. You know, you, there's, there's a, I mean, so I do a podcast obviously, but there's a ton of other real estate podcasts and I, I can almost guarantee you there's a podcast about the specific niche that you want to learn about. Like if you want to invest in land and flip land, because people do that and they make money, there's podcasts about that. If you want to do single family, if you want to do Airbnbs, if you, you know, there's, you can find something about everything. The podcast space has just exploded in the past few years. So I'd say first, like that's a great place to start. You can get really good information from people. Books are, are the second best place. And then really like just like I did the third would I'd say start going to conferences 
and, and start going, maybe even before committing to conferences, start going to like the local meetups in your town. Like in Indianapolis, I, I run a monthly networking event for, for apartment investors, but there, they have stuff like that in almost every town. So start going there, start meeting people, start networking. You know, you kind of realize if you still like it after all that, then I'd say start going to some of the bigger conferences and, and, and they can, you know, it can be costly, a few hundred bucks and you have to fly and stay in a hotel and all this. But those are great places to, to meet other investors, meet people that are doing it, hear different strategies. Um, and really build build out your network. And so I would tell people like like start there, take those steps. What was, if you don't mind me asking, one book that you would say that was like the big aha in real estate investing? I know that might be hard uh, to a certain degree, but I know there's sometimes yeah. there's always that one that just makes everything open up, and you're like, oh my goodness, that that yeah. this it was a pivot point in what I'm looking to do. Well, this this is fairly cliche, but it's just because it's true. Like Rich Dad Poor Dad, the Robert Kiyosaki book, which is kind of the like the Bible for a lot of people that have started in real estate, started because of that book. I mean, the people I asked that same question on my podcast, and it's all real estate investors, and that's probably like seventy five percent of the answers are are Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so that if you're interested in and understanding the right way to really build wealth, like like that is a very approachable book to start with. It, it's easy to understand. And so I, I would highly recommend reading that. That's what I, I remember reading that years ago and it shifted my perspective a little bit. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, Kent, real quick, just to share now about how can people follow your podcast, follow all the work that you're doing, see what you're up to and, and connecting with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you go to my website, kentritter.com and there's kind of, it's my home base. You can learn more about me. There's my podcast, my blog, there's uh, some like passive investor material. So if you want to like for, it's good for start, like for beginners, because there's uh, like, I've got a definition page on there to like, you can learn all the jargon because there's a ton of jargon, uh, frequently asked questions, and then a few other resources for folks. If, you, if you're wanting to get started and kind of understand how the process works better, then you can listen to my podcast, Ritter on Real Estate. And it's really, we dive into a lot of different topics, but it's really, again, about how do you make good investing decisions? And, and like, so it's like educating yourself on what's going on and then understanding from the pros that I interview, like, how are they looking at things? So, so you can look at things in the same way. And then like, lastly, I'd say, you know, I, I'm on social media quite a bit, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram, you know, all the time. So you can find me there. Uh, Instagram's at Ritter on real estate, LinkedIn is just Kent Ritter, my name. You can, you know, DM me and I'd be happy to chat. Awesome. Listeners, I will have all that great info in the show notes. Um, Kent, this was fun. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on and sharing some yeah. of this real estate information. I learned a lot. I know the listeners probably are going to learn a lot also. Um, but cool stuff. I love what you're doing, man. This is good stuff and, uh, uh, keep doing the great work. And this, thanks for taking time to join us here at the mindful experiment community and sharing some of that wealth of knowledge that you did today. Yeah. Thanks Vic. I really enjoyed being on the show. So thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.